and welcome to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast, where we discuss different but likely scenarios, provide general legal information, and get to know our lawyers. Please note that this podcast series does not provide or intends to provide legal advice. Hi, and welcome to another podcast at Corny and Lint Lawyers. My name is Barry Klopper. I'm a senior lawyer who works in the commercial litigation section of Corny and Lint. And today we've also got... And it's me, Joseph Borgerisi, also a lawyer in the same practice area here as Barry. Okay, so before we start, Joseph, I'll just give uh, our clients out there and potential clients a brief rundown of what we do. So in commercial litigation, we obviously deal with disputes. So we deal with some debt recovery, um, basically a whole range of disputes, to be honest with you. Um, But today we're not really going to be focusing on the dispute side and the litigation side. We're going to be focusing more on the commercial side. Yeah, well, I mean, avoiding the disputes and trying to build safeguarding measures and um, I suppose trying to assist our clients with um, avoiding those disputes and the escalation of those disputes more than anything in this podcast. Absolutely. It's probably much more cost effective for our clients to be engaged in methods to avoid disputes and putting in place policies to do that rather than dealing with the outcomes when those policies aren't put in place and we're down the dispute track and in litigation. So today in particular, we're going to do something very topical, um, coronavirus. Things have started to change in Queensland. Indeed they have. Um, Finally, we're seeing restrictions being lifted. Indeed. Um, we, well, Joseph and I are back at work together and I don't think we've shared an office for 10 weeks. So. <laughs> it has been that long. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm personally happy to be back at in the office with him and, and seeing his smiling face for a change <laughs> rather than on Zoom um, or, or Teams. So with, with this changing and what's happening and the lifting of restrictions, we wanted to focus today on privacy policies in particular and cybersecurity. Absolutely, because you know it's it's a pretty niche area, but I think it's an increasingly important sort of area of law to take into consideration when we're looking at the gradual returns of employees to to businesses, especially. Um, and you know, before the coronavirus pandemic and the lockdown measures that accompanied it, I mean, you were already looking at um, some groundbreaking sort of law in the area of um, privacy policies and all of that um, in context of the postmodern information age and the um, increased efficiency in information exchanges. Um, but obviously with that increased efficiency of exchanges, there was also um, an increased um, level of risk, I suppose you could put it, um, in terms of uh, disclosure of that information. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Yes, no, that's a good point there, Joseph. Mm. So are you going to talk to us a little bit about privacy policies and what we should be putting in place moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with, um, with the coronavirus pandemic, you know, um, you, we had obviously, as you were talking about, Barry, um, a lot of people working from home and taking their devices home in order to um, you know, be a bit more versatile with their, with their workflow. And, you know, with that um, process of people taking devices home and all of that, um, we had obviously people accessing information that um, 
obviously is the duty of the entity that they're working for to um, keep confidential. They were obviously accessing that information outside of the usual workplace. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in those workplaces, obviously, there are already the safeguard measures. But, you know, when you're talking about taking those um, bits of information out of the workplace and into the home environment or wherever they're working, their, their home offices and all that, obviously, the, um, those usual safeguards aren't something that they can avail of. Um, so I suppose just to start off with, I'd sort of want to um, just provide a brief background of the general um, state of uh, privacy laws here in, um, at least, you know, in context of uh, Queensland. Um, so obviously we have the Commonwealth um, Privacy Act, which, um, which regulates um, how entities, particular entities which are spelled out in the Privacy Act, are um, meant to take care of uh, personal information that they become privy to by way of their operations. Um, so that's encapsulated generally through um, 13 privacy principles around which the, um, the provisions of the Commonwealth Privacy Act are based around. So that's, um, so I, one of them is the open and transparent management of personal information. Um, anonymity and pseudonymity is another one. Um, and you know you can go down the list um, to the collection of solicited personal information and dealing with unsolicited personal information. Um, and you can just go down that list essentially, but at, at the crux of it, a very important point, uh, speaking practically, for um, entities to consider is um, how they um, set out their privacy policies. Mm. So <clears throat> with the privacy policy, that's part of the um, one of those 13 principles, open and transparent management of personal information. Um, that's part of complying with that principle because what they have to do is set out um, expressly for the um, access and understanding of uh, the people that they're dealing with, how they deal with personal information that um, comes onto their books, onto their files, and um, you know, disclosing exactly how they're going to treat them. Uh, and so that's in terms of the privacy policies and all of that now linking it to this coronavirus context um, obviously the ways in which that information is being well a obtained b processed and c uh, treated and handled um, obviously those are different because as we said before um, you've got situations where people are taking that information home as part of their um, general yeah. operation as an employee so you've got You've got to really take into account um, the the requirement under the Privacy Act of um, making sure that your privacy policy accurately expresses how you're um, handling that personal information. <clears throat> so it might be worth um, just as a a measure to um, uphold compliance, revisiting your privacy policies, your existing privacy policies, and um, considering updating them if necessary, to reflect the new norm, so to speak, you know, the, the new um, operational norms in these unprecedented mm. times. The fact that the personal information you're collecting mm. might not be in the area you were collecting it or envisage collecting it first off. So policies, typically with coronavirus, the privacy policy is probably the last thing you were looking at mm. amending or, or changing. I mean, most people were just trying to work around how to work from home. Mm. Um, but now that people are heading back to the office and things like that, it's, it's a good opportunity to, to have a look at your privacy policy. If you don't have one, yeah. it's probably something you should think about implementing pretty quickly. And um, I'll ask the question around that to you, Joseph. So yeah. 
now um, we're all aware that cafes have started to open up, but we're at, we're currently at the stage of twenty people gathering together. They're right. talking about a hundred. Yeah. But with that, there's certain changes. Yep. In other words, so now if you're visiting a restaurant or if you're going to a place of gatherings, there's mm. going to be some obligation on the host or the person operating the restaurant to actually collect your information and yep. keep it for contract tracing okay yep. so if someone does come down with coronavirus they easily can access who was at the premises yep. and their contact details now that's all private information which is being exchanged yeah what should i do about that if i'm a restaurant owner or i'm hosting an event moving forward yeah and that's a really good question because it's really relevant i think to the renewed operation of places where there is increased uh, foot traffic i suppose mm. and yeah there, there are those obligations that have now been imposed of keeping a running record of you know who comes in and out um, so I think that it's important, you know, going back to what I was talking about before about the privacy policy, to perhaps revisit that privacy policy and um, sort of really considering whether the wording of it and the way that it's been um, put, put uh, expressed, I suppose, um, reflects the reality of how it's all working at the moment. Mm. Um, so that might, for example, include um, amending your privacy policy and making sure you notify the people who... Um, who, who engage with your entity. Mm. Um, that might include amending that privacy policy to, um, to reflect that uh, personal information is being collected and um, may be disclosed in connection with um, uh, complying with uh, coronavirus regulations. Mm. Uh, that might include something to that effect. That might be in, you know, something that's worth considering as far as maintaining your compliance with regulatory standards in these times. Absolutely. I think we'll see a few restaurants putting notices up the front mm. uh, when you're doing it. A lot of businesses do collect people's information if you're booking something yeah. normally. Um, what you need to be aware of is what information you're collecting and how you're dealing with it and how you're storing it and protecting it yeah. from a possible distribution. For example, if you're just writing it down on a piece of paper, yeah. that's probably not a great way practically to be keeping people's personal information, which can then be you know, distributed or lost Absolutely. or something like that. Absolutely. So, so maybe looking at you know, your, um, your efficiencies in that area, I suppose. Um, and it's, I suppose that even, even in the hypothetical situation where all you're doing is taking notes on paper, essentially, perhaps that would be worth, I think that that would be quite important to mention in any privacy policy that you're disclosing to the public. Right. Um, that, that's how you're dealing with it, you're taking notes. But obviously, you know, it's just sort of stressing the importance of um, ensuring that you're compliant with that principle of the, um, under the Privacy Act. Um, yeah, that, that people are aware of how you're treating their personal information. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So that's mm. something to be aware of. Also, if you're giving private information to someone, yeah, it, it it's uh, in the shoes on the other foot. It might not be a bad idea just checking they have a privacy policy in place. Yeah, yeah. So that you know how your information is going to be dealt with. And our privacy policy is able to be distributed by a company. Is it something that if someone asks for, they can mm. give access Absolutely. to Absolutely. I mean, it's it's necessary, in fact. Um, if someone's going to be asking for your privacy policy, um, you know, you'd, you'd need to disclose that pursuant also to um, the Privacy Act, the Commonwealth Privacy Act. Um, yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I think the world is going to change as we know it and probably... Where we think our information is private in certain circumstances, it no longer will be as companies are required to collect it to comply with government regulations or instructions. So, yeah. 
Yeah. The world has changed over there. Okay. Is there anything else that we need to consider in relation to our privacy policies, Joseph, that you would... Uh, prior, I mean, of? I think that's that's the spirit of it, I think. Well, it's just, they're very important. That's pretty much what I would say. Um, yeah. From a practical standpoint, I mean, they were already important back before the coronavirus, but they're doubly important now that, um, you know, we're, we're being required to collect information in, in context of, um, we're just getting out of this situation, I suppose, this difficult situation. Yeah, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. Mm. Um, I think, Collection of private data, even if you're traveling, even if we do open up travel restrictions, it's something that yep. people are going to be collecting. They're going to want to know where you've been, where yep. you've gone, um, where you're coming from. I, I think privacy in the future is going to be quite different. The whole landscape is probably going to change. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's a matter of um, of compliance at this point, I think. Just ma- maintaining your compliance and um that's that's the safeguard, I think, ensuring that you're compliant with the um, Commonwealth Privacy Act at this yeah. point in time. You don't want a complaint made against you for a breach of privacy. That's <laughs> not something you want to uh, be dealing with. Yeah, not, not only the legal implications, but the commercial implications too, you know. I mean, people mm. are particularly sensitive to how, um, you know, entities use people's personal information these days. Um, and, you know, it's just important that... Uh, yeah, pri- a privacy policy, and B, um, there's I suppose that underlying the privacy policy and all of the law around that is the spirit of um, you know you've got to treat that personal information with integrity. I think that's the important thing that we have to take into account that you're treating that personal information uh, yeah. with integrity and not just um, you know disclosing it, disclosing confidential information. Yeah. Um, and on that point, it's important now because there's a mandatory, so businesses have to be careful because there's a mandatory requirement mm. to collect that personal information. There's also that added commercial incentive to go, well, I've got everyone's mobile number or yeah. email or the address. Why don't I do some a marketing campaign? Hey, business is <laughs> tough at the moment. Coronavirus is impacting the bottom line. Let's yeah. send out a, a group text message to all the customers that we have. That's We've right. got all their personal details. and. That is dangerous. It's um, dangerous indeed, especially if it's not outlined in a privacy, you know, in a privacy policy. As I said, I mean, you know, you, you probably have a bit of a case in favor of you if it is set out in the privacy policy. The privacy policy mm. is um, appropriately expressed to the people who are engaging with your entity. Mm. But yeah, as you said, it's um, it's a bit dangerous. Yeah, you've got that. You've got that added incentive to go. Hey, I'm bu- building up a customer base, and people are yeah. being forced to provide information which they might necessarily not have been comfortable with yeah. providing in the past. Yeah. And why can't I use that information to my advantage now and send out a, a commercial, you know, mass text? marketing campaign or send everyone an email and you know sending them out our newsletter yeah um i think while i understand that temptation and particularly taking into account business conditions you have to be wary absolutely yeah you need consent it's it's a balancing act i think yeah yeah absolutely you know you, you talk about um the the commercial considerations and that's important but at the same time you've got to weigh that with um you know the public interest and as as we talked about before, the the integrity that's at the spirit handling personal information with integrity, mm. that spirit's at the heart of the um, the Commonwealth Privacy Act. Yeah, um, so we still need to keep that forefront of mind. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, before you do any of that, think very carefully about it and make sure your privacy policy has ticked those boxes. And most importantly, you've got consent. 
Yeah. If you're only collecting information to contact them in the event that coronavirus is found in that establishment and they need to be contacted, well, that's a different story. Uh, Then you're using that information for the purposes for which it was collected. It's when you start using it for purposes which it wasn't collected for that you end up with a problem. Exactly right. Exactly right, Barry. Mm, Okay. Well, (laughs) the next interesting thing, that's thank you, Joseph. That was super informative. The next thing we'll talk about is uh, cybersecurity. Absolutely. Um, this is probably dear to Joseph and my heart because <laughs> we've, uh, we've both been working from home and uh, we certainly have come across this. So, look, most firms, our businesses out there, don't necessarily have a cybersecurity policy in place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably something that you don't think about, but it's something that you probably need to think about. We've had a lot of people coming back to work, but it's been a more a staggered back to work so we're not seeing offices running at full capacity mainly because we have to comply with social distancing uh, requirements and not everyone can fit back in the offices for which they were originally designed Mm. Um, we're doing that so what you've got now is you've got that problem where you've got people working in the office Mm. and maybe we're doing that two or three days a week and then the other two days we are at home so we're now having the situation where we've got our work offices up and running and we've got our own personal devices at home which we're also doing our work on. So we now have that mix. Whereas before it was easier to manage because you either took your work laptop home and it was at home and you used your work computer or you used your personal computer which had things set up on it. Now you're transferring information between the two. So I think what I wanted to go through was just a few tips on um, what you can think about, some practical tips on how to handle that. The first tip I'd say is get a cybersecurity policy in place and communicate it. Yep. Yeah, that's number one. So work out what you want to include in that policy, and then you need to communicate that to all staff involved. It's no good having a policy that's on a shared drive somewhere that no one reads. Um, the other thing after communication would be training. Um, not everyone is an IT expert, and it's important that you know when you're using terms like VPN, people actually understand what you're talking about and how that applies to them at home. So I think that's the most, the three things I would do. Develop, yep. communicate, train. Those are the three steps that I would have in any policy. Then in terms, oh, oh sorry, I forgot my fourth step, auditing. Yep. Auditing's important. So what auditing basically re- says is reviewing your policy. Uh, once again, things have changed, for example, where you've got people working from home or working part-time if the hours have been reduced or whatever, you need to be auditing your policy, reviewing it in that context and making sure it still applies because you might not have thought about it applying to the situation that it applies with after COVID-19. So that's important as well. So if you take those four steps, I think you'll go a long way to um, doing it. And the other thing is to put someone in charge of it in your organization. If you're a small organization, that might be the director. If you're you're a bigger company like ours, we have a person dedicated to doing that and that's probably something you should do. So make one person responsible and go through it with that. So the things to watch out for, uh, I would say, first thing would be scam emails uh, Mm -hmm. would be a big problem. That's a big one. Yep. Coronavirus has caused a lot of what we call phishing Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not the relaxing type where you go and sit and catch something (laughs) for a meal. Quite the contrary. Quite the contrary. That's those uh, emails that you get uh, which have got a link for you to open up on them. Mm -hmm. Often they have some context which applies to your life, whether it's a bank account, uh, money transfer, uh, or some some information that entices you to click mm-hmm. on a link, 
And the minute you do that, you open up your computer to some malware, spyware, and you're in a world of pain. Yep. So, that malicious social engineering stuff, right? Yep, that is correct. So um, often they will relate to a topic of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, it's coronavirus. Uh, and just be aware that even if the email address that you're seeing looks like someone you know, it's quite easy to mask yourself as someone else. So be careful, even if it's from a known uh, contact, make sure that you call them first before opening an email if you think it's suspicious. So your cybersecurity policy needs to deal with that and how you deal yeah. with, with emails and who to contact in the event that you have done it. Some employees, I think the first thing they do is they get scared. Mm. So they don't tell anyone and just yeah. close the email. <laughs> that's that's probably the worst thing you could do or delete it yep. and go ah oh, it's deleted I'm never going to see that again well <laughs> it does come up again and it's, it's helpful to have the source there then at least the IT department or if you're outsourcing your IT they can trace it and, and try to fix it yep. so that's that's the next thing the other thing that goes hand in hand with that is backing up your data mm. like you need to have backups of your data in place. I think that probably ties into your thing about privacy as well, Joseph, and how you're dealing with data and backing it up and making sure it's secure. But you need to have in your cybersecurity a section which deals with backing up your data, how regularly you're doing it and how you're doing it. It doesn't matter as long as you're doing it. Mm. Okay? Because if if you do get attacked... Through through a personal through an employee's personal home network, it's important. Yeah. The next thing Joseph and I have spoke about is quite interesting. So a lot of people are using iPhones, iPads yep. in this time. I mean, we're using one right now. Portable devices. Yeah. Portable devices. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they're portable, right? So it's quite tempting to say, "Oh well, I'm just at the bus stop. I'm just going to hook onto public Wi-Fi and just, you yep. know, finish that." work email I was working on or, mm. or, or something like that. Take a look at this document that received right after hours, something yeah, like that. Joseph, yeah, Joseph, it's easy because uh, you maybe not hotspotting to your phone. Mm-hmm. There's a real issue when it comes to using, oh, you could be at an airport. That's a classic in a right. lounge waiting for right. a flight, although no one's flying anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> the point is you could just be at a train station. There's public Wi-Fi everywhere mm. and it's not secure. Yep. So your cybersecurity policy really needs to deal with that. And it should basically be a no-no. I don't know of any circumstances where I think it's okay to use a public uh, yeah. space for well, work. There are all sorts of dangers associated with using a public a public network for accessing confidential files. Um, you know, it's the, the problem really rests on the fact that you're not the only one accessing the files, and, and it's not you don't know who else is accessing the files. Um, you know, data flow and all. Stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's something to make aware of. So cybersecurity policy needs to address that. It's mm-hmm. a no-no and shouldn't happen if you can avoid it for sure. Uh, the other thing is employees need to keep... So if you are using personal devices for work, they need to be re- updated regularly. Mm-hmm. So on the Apple platform, uh, I use both Apple and, and the Windows platform mm-hmm. and Android. There are updates which are brought out. Yep. And those updates typically address security issues. That's right. So you need to make sure that the device is updated and that should be in your policy as well. Mm. At least putting the requirement on your employees to make sure their device is updated because realistically, for you to monitor every single personal device of every employee, mm. it's going to be pretty tough. So that goes to the next point. You need to get your, your, your employees to actually sign off on that security policy as well. It yeah. should be part of your employment documents, to be honest with you. It is, you should have that policy signed off on so that they're aware of their obligations and what they're doing with respect to that and what they need to be looking out for over there yeah um the other thing i guess is to make sure that when employees are working from home that they still have access to someone in the office if they do have a problem 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so they need you need that connectivity. Um, and a lot of companies are using virtual private networks or VPNs yep. as well. And we've used that at Corny and Lit. We actually. have indeed. Uh, not necessarily without its problems, but it does mean that an, a, a connection into the office is secure. Mm. So that's something I think you should look at. Um, the next obvious one, it's a simple one, but no one does it, passwords. <laughs> there should be in your policy a mandatory password setup and a couple of things around passwords. Number one, they need to contain, it's the, it's the age-old thing, they need to have characters, uh, numerals, special characters, uh, capital letters and small letters. So they need a combination of that to be secure. Yep. So I think that's important to make sure... The other thing that's important is not to use the same password for every website. Mm. Uh, it's common. And try where possible, and this is the complicated one, not to get your browser to save your passwords. We all do it. Yeah, I, I know I'm guilty of it. <laughs> I, I'm guilty of it. Um, the only concern you have there is if someone does get access to your computer through malware or spyware, mm. they automatically can go, and it's really simple. I mean, we all know how to do it. You go to Chrome, settings, yep. passwords, and you're there. And you can look at every single password that they have for every single website. Uh, It's scary, but it's there. So if you really want to be secure, I guess the best way is probably to get an app on your on your phone or or have a a, a provisor where you or a folder or a special place where you save your passwords that is Mm -hmm. in itself password protected. There are also you know solutions such as multi-factor authentication and stuff like that, right? So you know you should look into those as well if you want to double up on the security measures. That was another one of my mm. policy, Joseph. Big tick for you. Yes. <laughs> Cybersecurity policy, multi. Can you just explain what that is? Because not everyone's going to understand Yeah, absolutely. That. So, you know, it's in terms of the, the practical operation of it, you've got your password, obviously, right? As, mm-hmm. as one step, one factor. And you've, you've also got perhaps a, um, uh, as we were talking about, a portable device such as yeah. an iPhone or an iPad yes. or, um, you know, Maybe I'll give some love to Windows as well. <laughs> Thanks, Joseph. That, right? And <laughs> yeah. Android and stuff. So and Android, yeah. <laughs> you use, you know, you could, you could, by setting up multi-factor authentication, you can, um, you can effectively utilize those portable devices in conjunction with your, with your password. Ideally, mm-hmm. a well-constructed password, mm-hmm. um, and have, you know, through by way of a secure system. Um, have a one-time code sent through to your portable device and then input that code um, into the login point, the portal through which you're logging in. Right, so so basically you're saying the person logging in is that person because they possess a separate key card, a separate device which gives them an individual code. Hedging your bets in terms of the security. So, you know, if they they get your password, if, for example, you know, a hacker is able to find your password, um, despite you having, you know, taken all of the... Um, the steps to secure it. Um, you've also got that additional security measure in the multi-factor authentication yeah. that allows um, you know that added level of security to you know they can't you know ideally they won't be able to um, find your your one-time passcode as well. In Absolutely. To the password. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah. continually changing, so the chances yeah, exactly. of them getting that is very low. And that's on the one time. The one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is that is a great point. I like it, Joseph. Mm. Yeah. So that that should form part of your policy. The other thing I think important in cybersecurity is securing your device. Mm. So um, we have to be careful about how devices are kept secure. Now, look, I've got two kids at home. Uh, an iPad's an iPad. Whether it's Dad's work iPad or their iPad, they don't necessarily 
see the difference mm. um, and it's easy for them to pick it up and grab it and, and you know um, often it's a four digit code that they would know yep. or whatever um, so with that it's easy for other people to access your device mm. that you might not expect them to so what we're saying there is work out a way that devices can be secured where they are not accessible to other people if they are taking home. That would be a work laptop, for example. Mm. What's, what measures are you taking to make sure that that laptop at home is secure and that it's only for your use and not for members of your family? Yep. Now, sometimes family members do share work computers. Certainly. I've heard about that. Mm -hmm. So how do we go about handling that? That might be you actually have different user logons. And different user profiles for that computer. Yep. So you've got your work profile, which accesses certain files. Yep. And then as another user logs on, they access certain areas as well. Mm. And that's a way of separating it. So if you are using the one computer amongst different people or you're sharing it, you definitely need different user profiles on there. Yeah, maintaining that distinction between your, I suppose, your, your work profiles and your um, personal profiles. And I suppose that, you know, that, that ties also into um, just the whole principle of keeping your work and home life separate. <laughs> mm, exactly, 100%. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is how you transfer data between home, and it's probably the last thing we'll talk about today, mm -hmm. between the office and your home. So look, we're lucky with the invention of the cloud and that a lot of our documents are stored offsite in external servers, which are, yep. which are well protected. Mm -hmm. But you know, for those of you that are a bit old school or, or for those that aren't using cloud computing facilities, there's that temptation mm. to say, look, I've got my work computer, I've got my home computer, I'm just going to transfer some information. Oh, it's a big file. I can't email it. That's just going to take forever. Yep. I'm just going to put it on a USB in my pocket and I'm going to go home. And I'll load it on my USB in my work computer, uh, uh, my home computer, and I can work on the document there. What happens if you drop the USB, Barry? I'm in trouble. <laughs> so I guess the best way to do that, I'm not saying don't do it, but what I am saying is you need to at least password protect mm. any information storage device that you're taking between your office and your home. So USBs, you can password protect them. Mm. Absolutely. And you can actually have software that you can have which accesses that USB and asks you for a passcode as soon as you plug it into the computer. Mm. Um, I've used that before to protect information. So I think that's important. You don't want to be leaving USBs or anything that around on buses, trains. It's too easy to lose information. Yep. And that's where Joseph's breach of privacy policy comes in straight away as well. Yeah, that's right. So that the way you handle information and transfer it between your workplace and your home mm. are really important, particularly with coronavirus around and the information falling into the wrong hands or just being lost. Yeah, that's um, also an issue. Lost information. Lost information <laughs> to say, well, we, we had a really important private document uh, whatever it be a legal document or any document on, on the USB um, and it's gone missing because we lost it on a bus or a train or mm. it's falling down you should have backed it up right Barry backed it up as backed well it that's up. it but the fact of the matter is if but that information not. gets out it's, <laughs> it's a problem so uh, yeah so those are some of the cyber security tips that you should be looking to if you don't have a cyber security policy look I think that's probably very understandable not a lot of people do but this is probably a good time to, to put your mind to writing one yep yep so um, 
if you need any help with any of that stuff, uh, we can help, Joseph. Indeed, we are. That's that's so, what we do. Yeah, Joseph would love to do a big privacy policy for you. I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be happy to look at a cyber security <laughs> policy as well. Uh, in all in all honesty, it's it's policies we do write for our clients uh, for their websites as mm-hmm. well for people collecting private information on websites which is quite a lot of you yep. um, but we do do that and if you need any help with a privacy policy or a security policy or any other matter feel free to give us a call or send us an email that's right I mean at the end of the day I think it is the time for um, sort of reviewing and revisiting everything that we've sort of left on the back burner during the COVID times um, yeah but you know, it's 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 spring, spring beginnings, I think, and we're we're getting back into it. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> back into it, and uh, yeah, this is this has been good having a chat with you this afternoon. It's my first podcast with Joseph. It's been great, <laughs> so I'm sure they'll get us to do some more. But thank you all for listening from my side. We'll uh, hopefully chat to you again soon on the next podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of Corny and Lind Legal Chatter. If you require specific legal advice for your situation, contact us directly on 07-3252-0011 or go to www.cornyandlind.com.au forward slash contact.